Join me in prayer. Gracious God, we, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for your word, that it may nourish us today. Open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, that we may hear what you are saying to us today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to uh, 2 Kings 22. Second Kings 22. We're going to read about King Josiah. He's, he's toward the end of, of uh, Judah's history, Judah's existence. So there were, there were a number of good kings in, in Judah's line. Josiah was the last good one. And I might want to say that he was probably the best, if you want to want to rate them. Um, of course, none of them are perfect. But uh, Josiah is, is one of my favorites. Um, and I'm not mentioning this in, in, in the message, but he does amazing changes, which I will mention, but it doesn't make a lasting change because right after he dies things really go downhill. So we're, we're going to read a fairly lengthy passage, um, and it's a little bit different than what's in, in the bulletin. So let's begin at uh, chapter 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah, and she was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And then we'll, we'll skip the next few verses. Josiah gives instructions about, uh, about fixing the temple. And then we'll go to verse 8. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law, and the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. And then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. And then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to, Hil to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all the Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to speak to the prophetess Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. 
I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people, according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and his people, that they would become accursed and laid waste, and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. And then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. And then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest, the priests next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the pagan priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on uh, on those around Jerusalem. Those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations, and to all the starry hosts. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem and burned it. He grounded the powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes which were in the temple of the Lord and where women did weaving for Asherah. And then we'll, we'll, we'll skip the next part. It, it keeps going on all the different reforms that Josiah was doing. And then let's skip to uh, verse 21 on the next page. Verse 21, the king gave this order to all the people, celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in in this book of the covenant. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, nor throughout the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. Thus far the reading of God's word.
Hurricane Andrew struck in August of 1992. And at that time, it was the costliest disaster in United States history. A story is told of a TV news camera crew on assignment in southern Florida filming the hurricane's widespread damage. In, in one scene, uh, amid the devastation and debris, there stood one house. One house stood on its foundation. The owner was, was cleaning up the yard when a reporter approached him. Sir, why is your house the only one standing? How did you manage to escape the devastation of the hurricane? I built this house myself, the man replied. I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the roof, or, or when the code called for two by six roof trusses, I built it with two by six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code would withstand the hurricane's force. I built it that way, and it stood standing. I, I suppose no one else here followed the code. Josiah discovered a much more important code, believed the code, and did what it said. For 57 years, the people of Judah had been led away from God into the utter darkness of evil. The nation of Judah was to be a light to, the, to all the surrounding nations, but two kings, Manasseh and Ammon, who are Josiah's grandfather and father, led the people away from God and into worshiping idols. They forsook the Lord and did not walk in his ways. Judah had every opportunity to worship all kinds of counterfeit gods. Inside the temple, one should have found uh, the articles used to worship God of Israel, like the altar for offering sacrifices to God, the altar or the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, the altar of incense. But instead were pieces of, of furniture used to worship the gods of Baal and Asherah and the stars and planets. Manasseh reigned 55 years and was one of the most evil kings of Judah's history who led Judah into idolatry. It was during Manasseh's reign that God said in 2 Kings 21, I, I will wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and, and turning it upside down. I will forsake my people and hand them over to their enemies because they have done evil in my eyes and provoked me to anger. Ammon was evil like his father, Manasseh. You might say that the only thing good about, about Ammon was that he was killed only, a, only after two years of being king compared to the 55 years of Manasseh. Little Josiah became king after his father Ammon is murdered. Josiah, son of Ammon, became king after 57 years of rampant idolatry and evil. There was no godly person mentioned that would have led Josiah to God. I would have guessed that Josiah would have been just a, another evil king with such an evil father and grandfather. And, and there was no code, no guide, no word of God to lead young Josiah to instruct him how to be a godly king and how to follow and serve God. When, when I read about the idolatry and the evil that Manasseh and Ammon did, I, 
I think to myself, I sure am glad that I didn't leave, live during that time and, and see those, those corrupt leaders that, that lead people into idolatry and evil of all kinds. I'm glad that I don't live in, in a culture of, that offers a life apart from God at every turn. But wait, I, I, guess, I guess I do live in a culture that offers a godless life in, in many forms. I, I, I really, almost every turn, I, I'm given the, uh, the opportunity to turn away from God. We may not worship false gods in the traditional sense, and we may not see people bowing down to a, a stone or wood idol, but my natural sinful heart is an is a idol factory. It, it mass-produces idols of all kinds. The, the, this factory in our hearts, it's, it's so clever. It can even make new idols that you wouldn't have imagined yourself. Our hearts are restless, going from, from one God to the next, until by the grace of God we find God, the true God. God gets our attention and, 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 and changes our lives. We were created to worship our God. Sometimes we don't even realize when our love and commitment to God dwindles and instead our devotion gets placed on something else. There is an idol that I think is, has, is almost unrecognizable. It is very much part of our society that we belong to and looks innocent from the outside. The idol is, is the belief that the busier we are, the more our lives will be fulfilled and complete. Some of us fill our lives with entertainment. We focus all our times keeping ourselves happy and pleasured. And some, some parents fill their children's lives with busyness. Many of the activities we, we fill our lives with are good things. But too much of them will steal and deprive us of God himself. Our very lives filled with many unnecessary things make us busy people. And when these good things become too important to us, they become idolatrous. We tend to be busy people. But should we be so busy that we don't have time to listen to God? If your Bible at home could talk, how would it describe your intimacy with God and how often that you, that you opened your Bible? I'm sure that in your home, most of you are, all of you, own the most valuable thing on earth. Maybe it is on one of your bookshelves or on your night table or maybe it's in the back of the drawer. Really, what, what object on earth is more valuable than the Bible? Sure, it is just paper, but it contains the ink of God's pen. We have the message of God always at our fingertips, ready to be devoured, ready to be read, studied, meditated upon, and practiced. Think about what might be holding us back. Perhaps we don't pick up our Bible because we are too busy. Or perhaps we pick it up and we read it once in a while, but we don't really think about what it means and we don't do what it says. 
There's a second idol I would like to address. It creeps in ever so slowly that it can go undetected. It lures Christians into believing that the Bible is, is second rate and that people's opinion, human opinion, is superior. They believe that human intelligence is more clever and valid than God's word is. The problem is when we listen to human wisdom that conflicts with the word of God. Sometimes I, I hear people just explain away parts of the Bible saying that it's, it's out of date or they're just plain ignorant of what the Bible says about the topic at hand and they don't care what God says in his word. Second Timothy says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful. The congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, everything in the Bible is in the Bible for a reason. It has validity and use for today. And we need the Holy Spirit's help in understanding scripture and applying it to our lives. Like me, maybe you, you've heard hints of people doubting parts of the Bible because of conflicting ideas of, from science or psychology or history. But what has more authority? God's word was written at a specific time, but its message is timeless and its words are without error. If each of us owns the most valuable thing on earth that contains the most important message in the world, why don't we treat it as the most valuable thing on earth? Like the man who followed Florida's building code and was saved, we need to follow the life code of the Bible and be saved. We need to be reading it and studying it day and night and doing what it says. God says in Joshua 1, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Our relationship with Jesus is directly connected to what we do with God's word. If we do not let the word of God, the word of Christ, dwell in us richly, if the truth of the Bible doesn't become part of our hearts and lives through our reading and studying and meditation of it, we will not grow in our relationship with God. We will not gain intimacy with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So what effect did the word of God have on Josiah? As Hilkiah was, was, was cleaning the, the temple, he was uh, blowing the <laughs> dust off the articles used to worship God and, and, and putting them in their rightful place. He found something. What is this? He couldn't believe it. He turns to Shaphan and says, Guess what? I found the book of the law. Read it. In, in essence, he's, he's saying, I've, I found the lost Bible. What, what the high priest Hilkiah found was, was part of, of the beginning of the Bible, of, of our Bible. The Bible had been lost or, or, or hidden or forgotten during the evil reigns of Manasseh and Ammon. Shaphan, the secretary, knew in his heart that this was a big deal. So he went straight to the king and said, We've done what you've asked. And Hilkiah has found a book. 
So Shaphan read, read it in its entirety to the king. And up to this point, Josiah did not know the specific requirements of God according to the scriptures. When Josiah heard the word of God, he tore his robes in response and said, We have not obeyed the words of this book. Our fathers have not acted in accordance with the word of God. In hearing the word of God, Josiah learned about the high calling he had as the king. He learned how the people of Judah and the kings before him had sinned and turned away from God to worship him, to to worship idols. Josiah heard the the shocking news of the consequences of idolatry, the the disaster that would come on Judah. Jerusalem would be destroyed. They would be punished. And then Josiah received the word of God through the prophetess Huldah, reaffirming the message he had just heard from the Bible. God said, I am going to bring disaster in this place and its people according to everything written in the book that you just read. My people have forsaken me and turned to worship idols into their, that their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. But listen, concerning the words you just heard, Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, I have heard you. You will die in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. Josiah responded appropriately. He heard the word of God and he responded. In this case, with grief and despair and and humility. He took the word of God seriously, and God blessed him for that. I might have guessed that that Josiah would have breathed a sigh of relief and put his hands behind his head and say, well, at least I'm safe. Right? God didn't give him any further instructions. He could have just left it at that. But Josiah discovered the most valuable thing on earth, He became inflamed with passion and conviction. He became a man on a mission to get the word of God out to all the people. The first thing he did was he gathered all of Judah together in one place to read the entire word of God to them. He wanted the people to know God and how they must serve him. He then publicly professed his faith and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. I will follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all my heart and all my soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. And all the people joined with him in this commitment to God and his word. Then he, be, he began what I like to think of as Operation Cleanup. His mission was to purify Judah and get rid of every hint and form of idolatry. His mission was to do exactly what the word of God said. So we we read about some of those things. He he, he removed all the furniture that was made to worship Baal and Asherah and the sorry host, and he he burned them. He threw out the, the pagan priests who burned incense to the gods, and he got rid of them. He, he tore down the, the living quarters of, of the male prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord. 
and he destroyed Topheth, which was a, a high place that, uh, where some people sacrificed their children to the god Moloch. He physically removed the mediums and the spiritists. And he even desecrated the high places that Solomon, way back in Solomon's time, had built for the gods of Ashtoreth, Shamash, and Moloch. In Jerusalem and across Judah, Josiah removed and destroyed every form and evidence of idolatry and anything that was contradictory to the word of God. But that's not all. Josiah, with the word of God as his guide, did more. Something very important. He said to all the people, people of God, we need to celebrate the Passover. And and we need to give praise to our God. We are going to celebrate the Passover according to how it's written in the book of the covenant. God had commanded in his word that the Passover must be celebrated to remember how God spared the people of Israel and brought them out of Egypt. A male lamb without blemish was sacrificed in place of the firstborn of the family. At the first Passover, the Israelites took took the blood from the lamb that was killed and and put it on on the doorposts of their houses. And on the night that the Israelites left Egypt, God struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, and he passed over the Israelites who had blood on their doorframes. Not since the judges or any of the kings had any Passover had any such Passover been celebrated. This means that this Passover had even outdid Hezekiah's and David's celebration of the Passover. Josiah was the only king of all the kings of Israel and Judah that was given the the distinction as the only one who perfectly kept the Passover according to how it was written in the word of God. I believe that Josiah sought to learn, memorize, and obey every instruction and every word of the Bible. Listen to how 2 Kings summarizes Josiah. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with the law of Moses, his Bible. I first thought that, that the most important event in the in this story of Josiah was the finding of the book of the law. But it's actually Josiah's response in obedience to it. God gave Josiah a gift, a needed gift, a gift that changed the rest of his life and many others' lives, a gift that Josiah accepted and believed. There are three lessons of instruction from the story of Josiah. First, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God in powerful ways. Through the reading and studying of God's word, Josiah was transformed. He he, he tore his robes and and humbled himself. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates and and judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. It exposes your sin and can be instrumental in bringing you to repentance. Through the power of the word, Josiah was given a mission, and he became passionate and empowered by God's word to carry out that mission. The word of God is powerful. The Holy Spirit uses it to change hearts and lives 
and even nations. Last summer, I worked with, with 25 senior high school students in a program called Facing Your Future, put on by Calvin Seminary. It's for students who are interested and passionate in learning how they can serve God in whatever context God is calling them to. One day we went to Dearborn, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. And here is the largest concentration of Muslims living in America. We learned all about Islam and the Arabic culture. My favorite part of the day came at the end when we heard a testimony from a young girl who grew up in an Islamic household. When her high school teacher invited her to church, she was hooked right away. The Bible made sense to her, and it, and it captivated her. The Holy Spirit used the truth of Scripture to convert her heart. The Quran, she said, is built out of lies and is not true. The Bible is true. The former Muslim is now a, a member of Dearborn Christian Reformed Church and a follower of Jesus Christ. Second, we need to love the Word of God. I believe Josiah may have said these words from Psalm 119, which is the, the chapter about the Word, that he said these words to God often. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing can make them stumble. I obey your statutes, for I love them greatly. We, we have here the very words of God. The breath of God is found in these pages. The word of God changed my life. I, growing up, I always respected the Bible, but then God gave me a love for his word. I hunger for it. I want to know the truth it contains. And Jeremiah says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. The effect of the love of the word of God was instrumental in my call to ministry. How might an invigorated love for God's word make change in your life? And thirdly, we need to respond to and do what the Bible says and take it seriously. Josiah responded to the word of God. He repented and he obeyed God's words. Blessed are, blessed are we if we pick up this word, open it, read it, think about it, and meditate on it day and night. We will be like trees planted by streams of water which, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. We cannot go wrong whenever we follow and obey what the Bible says. Josiah received blessing when he responded to the word of God. He would not, he would not see the destruction of Jerusalem. He would die in peace. We too will receive blessing when we study the Bible and do what it says. We will receive an eternal blessing when we believe and follow Jesus we will receive the blessing of an intimate relationship with Jesus. When we turn away from our life of sin and turn to Jesus, we gain true life. 
we are, we are a people of the book. We don't worship the book. We worship the person of the book. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the sacrificial Passover lamb. He is the one without blemish, the firstborn of God. God received the blood of Jesus and passed over us. We deserve death because of our sin, but we were spared death. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was slain but then rose to life, showing that he has conquered sin and death. He reigns in this world and in our lives. Jesus is the person and the message of the Bible. Jesus is the Word, the message made into human form. It is easy to fill our lives with busyness. We have all sorts of ways to busy ourselves and have good activities to be involved in. But we need to seek God and his kingdom first, using the Bible as God's message to us. Every day we need to meditate on the words of the Bible and build our lives on the solid foundation of the word of God. All other ground that is contrary to the word of God is sinking sand. Perhaps all along in this message you've been thinking, yeah, I'm a fan of the Bible. I've always believed it was important. But let me gently ask you, do you? Do you consider the Bible to be the most valuable thing on earth? Do you believe that, that this is God's word and that God is the primary author? If we really believe that the Bible is the word of God, it should show in our lives. We all have our reasons why we aren't meditating on it day and night. But God, may God help us to set aside those excuses and wear our Bibles out. Listen and do what God's word says. Let the Holy Spirit use it to transform our hearts and minds. I wonder what our, our church community would look like if we really took God's word seriously. Let's not be like the people of South Florida who didn't ensure that their houses were built according to code. We need to know this code. We need to know the word of God and to do what it says. James 1 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who just looked into the mirror, and after walking away, he forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. You know, this, this book is, is the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. With these words, the moderator of the Church of Scotland hands a Bible to the new monarch in Britain's coronation service. The moderator knew that to be an effective king, to be a follower of Christ, one need, needed to be guided by God's very words. 
and, and the translators of one of the first English translations of the Bible wrote this on the first page. God's sacred word is that inestimable treasure that excels all the treasures of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, author of your holy word, help us to pick up the Bible, the book that you wrote. May we tremble knowing that you spoke, that you breathed the words of the Bible. May we not just read it, but may we meditate and memorize and obey your truth. You are revealed in the Holy Bible. So I pray that we may hunger and thirst for it so that we will find you and discover how we must walk the Christian life. There are so many things that discourage us from picking up the Bible. One of those things is time. Help us to give you the best of our time. The Bible can also be difficult to read and understand. We need you to open our hearts and minds and give us the courage and strength to live out the truths of the Bible. Amen.